When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Metal Mike, and in this episode of the 80s Glam Metal Cast, we have an epic hair metal battle. Gawkin versus Rat. I'm joined by Aaron from the website Loud Sound Epicenter, and together we sort it all out. We pit the first four albums against each other and the individual members as well. We have a blast talking through it. Now stay tuned after the discussion to see a sneak peek of me, Metal Mike, singing and playing bass with my friends Travis and Ken on a cover of Poison's Fallen Angel. Check it out. So Aaron, welcome to the 80s Glam Metal Cast. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Hey, no problem. Well, we're going to get into a, a big epic battle, a big epic hairband battle. But before we do all that, why don't you tell everybody what you do, man? You have a site called Loud Sound Epicenter, and it's a super cool hub for like rock and metal. Tell everybody about the site. That's right. So I mainly do album reviews and interviews along with some music news, along kind of similar to Ultimate Classic Rock. And I also do some music commentary mixed in. And how long you been doing this for? It's been quite a while, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been a long way in the making since uh, probably since I was in ninth grade a couple of years back. So uh, probably since 2013. You're you're a younger man, right, man? How old are you? Uh, yeah, I'm 21 years old. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm a little younger for this audience. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool, man. It's cool that somebody younger is, uh, you know, carrying on the the torch for hard rock and heavy metal. So what made you want to come out of this podcast? Well, why the 80s glam metal cast? Well, I've been following you for quite some time on my uh, Twitter account. I saw you were putting out some good content, and I just recently saw you doing some, uh, some episodes of your own on YouTube and watching a lot of the rock and metal commentators on YouTube. I, I thought you uh, were putting out some good stuff, and I wanted to join the conversation. Well, man. I appreciate that. You're, you're on my good side. I like I like that. <laughs> I've had I've been kicking this idea around for a while, and I've been trying to find the right person to discuss this with. And I think you're the right guy, man. But I think a Dokken versus Rat episode just would be smart because you know there's so many great songs, great albums by these guys. A lot of their releases are kind of right around the same time. A lot of great players too, uh, in, on both sides of the fence for Dokken and Rat. And they were both big, but they never really attained the status that like Crew, Bon Jovi, or Death Leopard had. I mean, they had their success, but I don't. I wouldn't put them in that same level of success. Do you agree with that? Or yeah, I think in terms of music sales, they don't quite triumph with uh, some of the best selling. But as far as content and songwriting, I would say that they're a lot better than those bands that did make it to superstar themselves. You know, that's the way it goes in the music industry. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and I know for me, and you might feel the same way, some of the bands that are the more rare bands, those were the ones I always gravitated to anyways. You know, I always liked bands like Keel and Lillian X and, you know, bands like that. But a lot of people didn't know who those bands were. So, see, I was there when it was all going on, Aaron. I I was, I was there for all these bands. It was, it was, it was good times. Yeah, man, it's good to have some, some uh, in-person experience because, uh, Somebody as young as me could never really 
themselves in your shoes who saw it firsthand. Yeah, it, it was, you know, and it's funny is because at the time you didn't know it. You know, it, it's like when you're living through something, you don't know like how iconic and how classic this is going to look, you know, years later because – for us who grew up in the eighties, you know, we were kind of, we were shamed in the nineties, you know, like hair metal was bad and heavy metal was bad. So, you know, you, not that you really believed it, but you, you know, it, it had an effect on all of it. And then, you know, you get 30 years away from it and it's like, wow, those were some great concerts, great albums, the whole MTV thing. It, it, it was good stuff. It's there's no, no joke. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, kind of a blessing for my generation. We were never persecuted the way you guys were. So we kind of dodged the bullet on that. <laughs> well, let's bust right into this, man. And I think the best way to go is to pit their first four albums against each other. So this would be, and I'm talking about the full length albums. Each had an EP uh, that came out before their full first full length album. But I thought the full length album would be a great place to start. What are your thoughts on Breaking the Chains? Sure. Well, Breaking the Chains, I think it's good, not great, uh, because to me they got so much better after this album. Mm-hmm. And even though it's got some of their greatest songs that could possibly rank with their best, like uh, Night Rider and Paris. Uh, I start to notice the cliches a little more on this album with stuff like Young Girls and even in the middle to an extent. So, you know, those aren't bad songs, but I can definitely hear that this is their first studio album, especially when against something like Out of the Cellar. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I'll get your thoughts on Out of the Cellar in a second. Uh, and the funny thing is, is we've got Ron, uh, Juan Crozier. Um, is in Dokken at this point, and then he ends up, you know, be going full time in Rat. So kind of a strange uh, connection right there between the two bands, you know? Yeah, that's right. It's a little, a little odd. Now, breaking the chains uh, from everything that I'm reading about it is it was actually out. Um, I don't know if it, I don't know if it came out in France or it came out overseas or something like that. A few years before the American release. In a lot of ways, it's similar to uh, Too Fast for Love. So there was an original version, and then they kind of took some of that and re-recorded parts, remixed parts. So it reminds me of that in some ways. Um, but I don't think that Dokken is 100% there yet. You know what I mean? Some bands come real strong right out of the gate. Their first album is, is huge. You know, something like Guns N' Roses, you know, they were pretty much in the zone you know, right when they came out. Uh, Dokken, though, I don't think it's it's there yet. There's great songs, like you mentioned some, and, you know, no one's going to deny that Breaking the Chains, you know, is a great song. And it's a song that's probably picked up steam a lot more over the years than when it was originally released. Uh, I like I like a lot of these songs, In the Middle, Felony, uh, I Can't See You. But um, for me, this album, it just kind of loses me as it gets going. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm liking it. But once again, knowing what some of the other Dokken albums sound like, this would be one, you know what I mean? I really would. This isn't my go-to Dokken album, uh, and I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I hear you, man. You know, I do got to give them props for doing a, a funk-sounding song with Felony, as yeah. you just said, or at least that's how it sounds to me when I hear that riff. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think there's a little bit of groove there, for sure. So now... I mean, this this is this is a tough matchup here. I don't know how anything can really go against Out of the Cellar. What do you think about Out of the Cellar? Well, Out of the Cellar, to tell you the truth, I don't think there's any filler start no. to finish. So it's really hard for me to criticize it in any way. I don't think uh, I would skip any of these if I was listening to this album. No, man. So, yeah, I think this is their masterpiece. I, I believe you're right. That You know, Rat is totally in the zone here. You're right. Every song kicks ass. There's no throwaways. And another thing, and I didn't say too much about it with Dokken, but 
sonically, this album destroys Breaking the Chains. To me, when I listen to this production from Bo Hill, it's just spot on. It sounds so good. And, and I think that's really one of the key things that's lacking with Breaking the Chains. It just doesn't have the production. But yeah, I mean, we're talking, you know, iconic hits like Round and Round and the awesome riff of Lack of Communication. But you're right. When I went through this album and I'm like, oh my God, I know every, every one of these songs is good. You know what I mean? There's no clunkers on this. You can go all the way through. And so I'm saying... For me, out of the cellar destroys breaking the chains. Are you with me on that one? Yeah, I agree. You know, the MTV songs are on there, of course, and even the, the deep cuts, which will will probably be saying that a lot throughout this episode. Is uh, deep cuts are also just as good. Yeah, and you know when you look at yeah, uh, totally songs like the morning after and uh, you know you're in trouble and, and she wants money. I mean, all the it's like I said, every song is awesome and and. I'm not saying that they all were played on radio, but they could have been because they just were all well-written songs, catchy tunes. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so so we are both on the same page with Rat. That, that's good. Okay, I like it. Tooth and Nail, a big improvement in my book. W- what are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. And from this point onward, you might notice uh, which band I like more overall. But yeah, Tooth and Nail is a big step up for Breaking Chains. Uh, it has the least amount of filler out of all their classic albums overall. Mm-hmm. It's got less ballads than the albums that came after it. And they really focus on their heavy side, this follow-up. Uh, so I, I think this is a really heavy album, specifically. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I like Tooth & Nail. Um, like I said, big improvement with the songwriting, big improvement with the production. Crazy thing with this one is that it sounds like from what, once again, just stuff that I'm reading, I, I don't claim to be a wizard about all the backstory of Dokken, but, you know, there's no secret that there's been infighting between Don and George, and it sounds like they couldn't be in the studio at the same time through this album, and I think Tom Warman was originally producing it, and then Roy Thomas Baker came in to kind of finish it off, because it seems like there was some kind of conflict, I think, between George and Tom, who, who knows, but it just sounds like the internal problems were brewing, you know, all the way back to this album, which is kind of crazy. But I got to say, there's something about this album that just doesn't win me over. And I can't really explain it. I'm sure like there's the hardcore docking fans are like booing and, and, <laughs> and hate my guts right now. But I mean, I know the songs, there's a lot of great songs, Into the Fire, When Heaven Comes Down, Tooth and Nail. I mean, there's great stuff. But for some reason, at least for me, like I, I, it's it's still not there yet, at least for the kind of docking sound that I'm really into. So it's, uh, it's good, an improvement, but... Um, for me, I'm not there yet with Dokken, uh, even with this album, which is crazy, right? Yeah, I agree. I've heard some people say this is the best album, which on a technical level, I can see there's not as much filler. Uh, I see that point, but it's also, I think the strong songs don't quite reach the level as some of the later uh, strong songs on the next few albums. So that's, I totally agree that uh, it's never really been my favorite. Yeah, there's just something about it that just doesn't register with me, and I'm not really sure what it is. Now, what about Invasion of Your Privacy? What do you think about this one? Well, to tell you the truth, I like the first two songs on Invasion better than the first two songs on Out of the Cellar. I I don't know what you think of that, but I think that is one of the coolest openings on a glam metal album. Uh, I I even like some of the, the latter half of the album. It gets There's a little bit of a drop off for me towards the end. Yeah. A lot of the... The songs get a little repetitive, and they're all phrases, which I thought was a little corny, even back in high school. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it's still a strong album overall, but it is kind of the first album again 
So there's that. Yeah, so I mean, it's no, re- it's no out of the cellar. You know what I mean? So we're coming off something super, super, super strong, and it's definitely not as strong as that one. But you're right, man. Uh, you're in love, killer, killer riff, great song. It probably does start off stronger and lay it down as a classic tune as well. And then there's there's a lot of cool songs. You know, like you're right, it kind of fades out as it gets going. But never use love, give it all. Uh, closer to my heart. There's some cool songs. And I even say, I, once again, I'm going to say sonically, this destroys Tooth and Nail. I still think it sounds better. So whatever Bull Hill was doing, or I don't know if Atlantic was giving these guys a bigger production uh, money or what, but it's it's just sonically better. It sounds better to me. Yeah, it is a pretty strong album. And even even with the, the second side of that album, for me, getting a little repetitive, I still love Between the Eyes and Lucky Side Closer to Your Heart. Even though that's not as heavy, it's still interesting. And uh, musically, like you said, the songwriting was still pretty strong for the band at that time. So between these two, which one are you going with? You know, I got to go with Dawkins. Okay. To tell you the truth, I'll go with the heavy. It's a little more heavier, so I think I got to go with that one. I was, you know, I was really torn. Like, I didn't know what to do with this one because I, I in a lot of ways, they were they were almost equals. But then I want to say, like I said, the Sonics, I thought were better. It's like it's a better album to listen to with the production, the rat. But then I also felt like uh, there's just something that bothers me about Tooth and Nail that I can't put my finger on. So I had to go rat again, man. So so it was rat. So uh, we're different. All right. I like it. Okay. It's a little bit different. Under Lock and Key. All right. Well, Under Lock and Key to me, this was uh, probably my favorite album from Dawkins for a while. That's changed since then. But uh, to me, it's it's a great middle ground between Tooth and the back, uh, back to the attack. It's with all the catchy melodic songs, yep. with some of the heavy parts mixed in. So I, I like it. It's a perfect uh, kind of intermediate album between the two albums. Yeah, and you know, you figure now we're you know we're hitting the the glam era pretty heavy. Uh, Dokken has you know definitely changed their image a bit to to fit in with kind of like what Motley Crue was doing with Theater of Pain. I think you know I keep talking about the production value. I feel like we finally got it with this one. The production is 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 really good. It's where it needs to be for docking, and that just helps the whole thing. But I think song wise, I think we're writing some better songs with this one. It's uh, you know, in my dreams is awesome. Unchain the night is probably one of my favorite docking songs. It's so good. It's not love. You got some heavy rockers like Lightning Strikes Again, uh, and even the the ones that somebody might say are sleeper songs. I like them, man. Like Jaded Heart and uh, Will the Sunrise. Those are all good tunes. That, like I said, once again, they're not powerhouses or anything, but I can I can go through this whole album and and enjoy every song. So for me, um, I, I really well, I don't want to give it away yet, <laughs> but I'm I'm re- I really like this one. Now, what about Dancing Undercover? Dancing Undercover, you know, me and a friend of mine, we've uh, I think we've gone back and forth about this might be Rat's second best album overall, and not, I would definitely have to agree, especially that first half and a little bit of that second. It's uh, very strong. It's a lot heavier than Invasion, I think. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's very close. To me, this was the hardest uh, comparison between the two bands because this is two of their strongest, I think, overall. Yeah. Now, here's where I'm going to really drop off the the cliff here with rat and and i i'm not a big fan of this album i i don't really, really like it yeah and like especially the song dance i'm gonna say I, I i really don't like that song i won't say the word hate because i i just love rat and i and i talked with Stephen Percy before he's a great guy so i won't say i hate the song dance but i don't i don't like it 
And but there are some good ones like Drive Me Crazy. I think is pretty good. Um, Slip of the Lip is a decent single. But I don't know. So you see where you were kind of going with with Invasion of Your Privacy? Like you feel like it's kind of going. You know, it's losing you as it's going. That's what this album does for me. Like. I don't know, like the later songs, I kind of pick through some of them and I'm like Seventh Avenue and all these, they just don't even register with my brain. Like, I don't know. So for me, this is my least favorite Rat album. I just don't like this album. Um, Like I said, a a couple okay singles, the lead off single dance, I I can't, I just, I can't get into it. And uh, for me, I just, no, I'm just not feeling this one, man. Not feeling, uh, not feeling dancing undercover. So for me, I'm I'm under lock and key all the way. Who, who are you going with? Uh, I got to go with under lock and key. Yeah. Uh, a little, you know, I was a little more uh, hesitant than you are. But yeah, I, I hear you on dancing undercover. For the last like three songs for me, I, I feel you with the repetitiveness. So yeah, I, I love Body Fog. I think that's one of their best songs. That's a good song. Uh, it is. for love. You know, some of these song titles, I thought they were going to be slower songs, but they were actually pretty heavy. Yeah. Uh, there's another one on the first side that I'm, I'm blanking on right now. But yeah, Underlock and Key, that song is a lot more nostalgic for me. I remember playing that a lot more than Dancing Undercover. So yeah, I'm a little more personally connected with that album for sure. So we get to Back for the Attack. And, you know, this whole matchup with between the next two is really, really tough for me, but... I don't know, man. I think Back for the Ta- Back for the Attack could be Dawkins' best album. You know, every song just kicks ass. So before I get into it, what do you think? Yeah, I had to fight a lot of people on this one back in the day. But yeah, Back for the Attack has become my favorite one over time. It's really grown on me. Uh, that I, just right off the bat with that their best opening uh, album opener, which you know Dawkins is the king of album openers. Mm-hmm. Every song, even even in the 2000s, they still kept that tradition going. Just the awesome kiss of death, awesome, and uh, just everything after the even the the songs that aren't singles, but they sound like singles, like uh, "Standing in the Shadows." Yeah, the heavier stuff like uh, "Cry of the Gypsy." Oh, and love the, it. The heavy Mr. Scary. It's one of their heaviest albums. It's, to me, it has all their best songs on it. So it's, for me, it's an easy victory for Dawkins. Yeah, "Kiss of Death," man, is just. It's such a good jam, and it's. I, I mean, some of these songs that as you go, that's a normal thing where maybe you just it wouldn't even register some of these songs. You know, like people would look at them as throwaways, but I think they're great. Like you said, they could be singles. So many tears. Um, Heaven Sent was a single, and it's a very cool bluesy song. Lost Behind the Wall. I mean, it's just damn man. And it's honestly, a lot of people don't like this song. But Dream Warriors is probably like my favorite Dawkins song. I love Dream Warriors. I'm so glad they threw Dream Warriors on back for the attack. I actually remember buying Dream Warriors as like a 12-inch single. And I think the B-side is the song back for the attack, which ultimately did not make the album back for the attack, which is kind of odd. But I just, I think, you know, once again, growing up during that time period and watching the Freddy Krueger movies and, and, and that song, it's just got a cool, eerie vibe. And that's where I think, what I like about George Lynch, you know, he definitely has those kind of, you know, they're tip, they're the rock riffs, but they're kind of evil sounding at times. You know what I mean? They, they, he plays like in minors a lot, and it's just, I, I love the kind of riffs that he does. Oh yeah, George Lynch for me has always been one of the, the best guitarists. Period. I, I put him up there with Eddie Van Halen. He's always stood out to me. Some of the best, one of the best tones in metal, and uh, yeah, like you said, the melodic moments really stand out with that tone. So yeah, totally agree. What about Reach for the Sky? What do you think? You know, Reach for the Sky, this was the first time when I was listening to Rat start to finish that uh, 
to me, this is when they got the first big drop-off. There is a lot of strong songs on it. Like, uh, I, I've always loved Way Cold Jr., even if it's a little cliche. <laughs> and uh, Bottom Line. There's some strong stuff on there. To me, it really starts to drop off even more so than the, the previous album. But I find that a lot of their rap albums, kind of, there's a big drop-off halfway through. And uh, that's okay. But yeah, to me, it was very noticeable on this album. So I... It's a very mixed bag for me. It's weird. The The thing that comes to mind right now is I remember buying a t-shirt for this album back in the day and it, it had the Red Rat logo and it had a picture of them from this era and it had Reach for the Sky written on the bottom. And that was such a cool t-shirt. But that just came out of my mind out of nowhere. But I, don't, I wonder if you can buy a replica of that shirt because I think I would like to get it. But, you know, this is going to sound crazy. <laughs> I don't think it's their best, but it's probably my favorite. And once again, it might have just been the time period catching it, you know, at the right time. But I would put this. I, I know it's not better than Out of the Cellar. I would never say that. People would want to kill me if I said that. But it's probably <laughs> my favorite. I just like it. I like City to City. I want a woman. I think this album. See where you said Dancing Undercover was heavy. I thought like this album had some more balls in a lot of spots, like Bite the Hand That Feeds You, Chain Reaction. Um, what's it gonna be? It's a wicked cool song, man. I don't know. So something about these songs. It, this one is almost reminds me similar to Under Lock and Key, where it, it just has that same kind of vibe for me. Where I like every song, even though I know they're not the greatest songs in the world, and you know they don't. Maybe this album doesn't compare to their best. I enjoy it. It's a good listen. I can listen to the whole thing. And I think what was going on with this one, which, uh, and I think Stephen might have talked about this with me. I can't really remember, but I know I read it, is that Bo Hill, they were trying to kind of get away from him. And I think they were working with producer Mike Stone. And then when those demos got to Atlantic, Atlantic were like, no, got to have Bo Hill back. And once again, you know, Bo, Bo Hill was there to produce. And he produced, you know, well, he's produced all four of these albums that we talked about. He's he's a great producer. He's done a lot of great things with Winger, Warren. I mean, the list is endless. Yeah, he's definitely, I was reading about him in, a, I think the book is called Bank Head. It's a, a book I just recently found going over the, the Sunset Strip scene. And yeah, this this producer, he really knows what he's doing with all these, catching these bands at the right time in their career. And yeah, it's definitely noticeable on this album. So right now, your pick is Dokken, correct? Yeah, gotta be Dokken. So... Just to get everyone up to speed on albums, okay, we've got, you're going for Rat with your first one, which I did as well, uh, Docking all the way down after for you, where I went Rat and Docking, Docking, and uh, maybe I'm just being diplomatic, right, <laughs> but I'm at a tie um, between these uh, these four albums, I'm at a tie. Now here's a quick one, we'll just do real quick, there's no Docking album, not for a long time after Back for the Attack. But if you had to put Don Dockin's solo album from 1990 against Rat Detonator, what would you pick? Yeah, Up From the Ashes? Yeah. Album? Yeah, I would say easily I would also give that one to Dockin. I was just re-listening to it. And yeah, that's a very strong album musically. And uh, to tell you the truth, man, I'm not a big fan of Detonator. To me, that's kind of the beginning of the, ba- the end of the band. Yeah. And uh, yeah, to me, Don, the Don Dockin solo album, if, if you could just imagine back then what a Don Dock and Soul album would be. To me, that's, I think that's what most fans would want to hear is exactly how that album sounds. So, yeah. It's, I also give that to Don. Yeah, I, it's, that's a tough one, man. I don't even, I might just stay, I might say it's a tie because I kind of know where you're going with Detonator because there were times where I was kind of thinking like, eh, some of this might be a little corny, you know? But when I went back and listened to it, 
It's a lot of good songs and especially giving yourself away. When I went back and, and revisited that, you know, in recent times, that's a really cool song, really well-written song. And I know Desmond Child had his hands on that album. So pretty, I don't know, man. I, I like the songwriting. I, I, there are a lot of cool, catchy songs on um, Detonator. But man, I don't know. Uh, Up From the Ashes, or, or no, what's the first? Crash and Burn, I'm sorry. Crash and Burn, great song. Mirror, Mirror, oh man. Down in Flames, Ooh, I don't know. Aaron, it's tough, dude, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to put that one as a tie, but that wasn't going to be one I was going to you know, right include now, in all this. Now, right now, take a minute and talk about doing some good deeds in your area. What I want you to be is a hunger destroyer. Yeah, there's a lot of hungry people all around the country. And one way you can help is by donating to the local food bank. One thing we've done where I work as co-workers, we've challenged each other to bring in items and challenge our customers as well. And in turn, we put up a table, put up a sign, explain what we're doing. Lots of people bring in things. And I tell you, when we deliver it to the food bank, it's very appreciated. So I'm sending out a challenge to you to do the same. Let me know how you make out. Rock on! So, so we kind of know where we, we stand with these, these four key albums. But let's talk about the members themselves. When you look at the drums for these guys, would you go Wild Mick Brown or would you go Bobby Blotzer? Uh, you know, honestly, even then, I think I got to give it to the wild Mick Brown because mm-hmm. with all his work he's done throughout his career with Ted Nugent as well, yeah, I, I think I would side with him over uh, Blaster. See, for me, and I don't know why this is, I can't. How do I put this? I can't really differentiate between the two. I mean, what I'm trying to say is I know who they both are, but I don't. I think they're just both solid, but they don't like, there's nothing that's insane about how they play. You know, there's certain players, you know, where like, okay, I'll give you an example. Somebody like Eric Carr. Okay. For me, Creatures of the Night is the best drum album ever. That's for me. You know what I mean? So for me, you know, Eric Carr can top a lot of uh, lists when it comes to drummers. There's, there's something there that really stands out. I think both these guys are great. I don't think there's any issues with them, but on any of these albums that we've discussed, I would never say that the drums made, made the any of the albums. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I think they're competent, but I don't know what about them really stands out even from one another. You know what I mean? I definitely hear you. It was never something I zeroed in on when listening to either of albums from these bands. So, yeah, it's not to me, it's not a big part of the sound, but obviously I appreciate the uh, contributions from both of them. So I, I would put it just out of fairness. I think I'd put it as a draw because I can't, like I said, they're just, I think they're both solid and I couldn't see why, why one would be better than another. How about on bass? We got Juan or Jeff? Well, Jeff Hilton, he's, he's one of those musicians from the 80s who's kind of in every band. And so, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I've, I've definitely noticed his tone, especially compared to Juan. I think uh, he stands out a lot more overall. Yeah, I would go Jeff, too. I mean, I think Juan is cool. And, you know, back in the day, he always had a cool look and everything. But but Jeff, yeah, I feel like he's really str- a real strong vocalist. And I know Juan is, too. I mean, once again, I, I might find myself going down the same road here, but... I just think there's something about Jeff, and I think of maybe the way he's carried himself beyond Doc, and you know, as a producer and in Foreigner and all this kind of stuff. So something about Jeff just stands out to me more than it does with Juan. But but Juan does have a cool voice. There are you know I I think back to um, I want to say it's in Lack of Communication where he, you know he'll sing like a lead line and all that kind of stuff. So he's 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 really good and and, and a cool player. But yeah, I'm with you, man. I, I think I would go uh, 
I'd go Pileson for that one. All right, but but those are the easier ones. All right, here's here's yeah, where I get. <laughs> and and God bless um, Robin uh, Crosby. I, there, there was no one to pit him against, so I kept him out of it. Let's go vocals because I feel like the guitar part one is is the, the really the crazy the craziest uh, uh, match. So vocals, Don or Steven? You know, I like Steven. It's it's a cool raspy voice, but uh, to me, I, I've always noticed that there's there's not a whole lot of range, and there is no. some range. He does have high notes, of course. But to me, Don Dawkins is the king of glam metal vocals. I, I think he's one of the best singers that I've heard. So I, I got to side with Dawkins yet again. Yeah, it's so tough with this one because if I think of like coolness and the character voice, because I've talked about this a lot in the podcast. There's those those character voices. It's it's not saying it; they're not a joke. It's it's just they they're very distinct characters, you know. And with somebody like Alice Cooper, you know what I mean? It's a very distinct voice, and it's a super cool voice. But you wouldn't go and say that Alice Cooper is in the same stratosphere as Freddie Mercury when it comes to range or something like that. So I think like the coolness award goes to Stephen. But I think, you know, when it comes to, like you've said, you know, that the the range and the more dynamic voice is probably Don. So, you know, I know we're not giving out participation awards. So, so I guess I guess I got to go. I guess I got to go Don. But I, I can't deny how cool Stephen Piercy's voice is. And it's perfect for the music. It'd be like try to flip flop it. Put Don Dockin out, out of the cellar. I, I don't think it would work. You know what I mean? So but it's just. I think it's perfect for where where it is, you know. Yeah, that's true. Now this is the this is the tough one, man. This this one could be <laughs> debated to the end of time, and, and it's all it's only gonna, always going to come down to a personal preference. But is it Warren or is it George? Yeah, this is this is very tough, you know. And with George Lynch, you know, he's done a lot of projects, so you can definitely hear his evolution over the years with Lynch Mob and so on. Uh, the, the Michael Sweet, Steph Sweet and Lynch. Yep. that's that's another testament to his ability uh you know man i think and i'm this might be a bold statement but i think george lynch can do anything that robin and warren can do so i i gotta give it to george lynch giving it to george you know this is a tough one and i think for me it, it's just gonna it just goes to preference because i think that um i think warren is awesome you know, between his riffs and, and his soloing, it's really distinct. Yeah. When you, yeah. especially the solos, you know it's him. You know, and and he has a, a good sense. You know, of playing. He's got some blues influence, but um, there's something about Lynch. Like I said, I, I like those kind of, you know, that just a little bit more eerie sounds at times, and and uh, you know, just just more metallic riffs maybe. Where where Warren maybe a little bit more bluesy riffs. Uh, George is a lot more metal. And uh, I don't know, like I said, I think just the, you know, Mr. Scary kind of sums it up. He just plays more of those. It's not like it's evil. It's not Slayer. You know what I mean? It's not that kind of stuff, but it's just got a, it's got a dark side to it. I think that's the best way to put it. You know, he's, he's got a, he's got a dark, he's got, has a dark side to his playing where Warren is more bright, you know, that's where I, it's more fun. You know, where I, I feel like, you know, Lynch is just a little bit more of a darker player and, and heavier and just really cool, man. So I got to give it to him. Yeah, I, w- I would give it to George. And just I guess when you go and, and dissect these bands, you just realize how, how amazing both are and how important they are to, to 80s metal. Yeah, these two bands, you know, I can't remember not knowing either one of them. This was a really these are two great bands to get into at a young age and. Yeah, I never really noticed how uh, how hard it is to really put them up against each other because they're all they both really bring something new to the table, and uh, they both do similar styles, 
mm-hmm. but uh, really in their own unique way. So it's, they're both very cool. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, Rat, I think, pulls off the whole L.A. thing a lot better, where Dokken tends to be a little bit more mature or, you know, emotional. I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but but Don, Don writes some real moody songs. And I guess that fits with, like I yeah. said, the stuff that I was saying about George. So I think as much as they, if they can't deal with each other as people, it was a musical, a good musical match for sure. Yeah, I think when Rat tries to do the, the moody stuff, it doesn't quite... Uh, work as well, but maybe that's kind of the, the art of the two bands is, you know, they kind of have their own lane that they stay in, and Dawkins can do a lot of the heavier and m- melodic stuff, and Rad is really good with the bluesy heavy stuff, so it's, it might be apples and oranges to compare the two. So basically, without breaking it all down completely, um, I, I kind of tied it out with those four albums that we talked about. You leaned a little bit more toward Dawkins, and I think both of us uh, lean toward the the Dokken guys as the player. So so Aaron, for this discussion, man, Dokken is the winner. Yeah, yeah, Dokken. You know, I did anticipate that's the way it was going to be, but I wasn't too sure. I know that. Uh, I know you love Rat. I love Rat. But yeah, it's, to uh, put them up against each other, it's it's close. It's close because uh, we usually don't compete them. Yeah, and it was funny, at least at least in my looking at the catalog, or at least that section of it, it was funny how I don't care that much for those first two albums, but then I really love Under Lock and Key and Back for the Attack. Like, it's kind of weird that I, you know, it kind of struck me as odd, where, where like, rat, I can look at them, where, aside from, I, I just, like I said, I don't like Dancing Undercover, um, a lot, most of the rest of them are all just good. I don't have... You know, I don't see that same kind of uh, feelings about the whole, the, the, at least for that, at least that section of the catalog. But man, for something about those first two docking albums, they're just not there for me. And then as soon as we hit under lock and key, it's like, yep, this is my docking right here. But then somebody who yeah. got into them maybe earlier than I did would say, no, man, I, I like the, the heavier stuff that's on tooth and nail. So it's all whatever you're exposed to. It's got to be tough for you because, like I said, you're younger, so you're getting exposed to the whole catalog in one shot. Yeah, it's, it's very overwhelming to uh, to put it all in its proper context. But, you know, I, I think you might even agree with this. The Comparing Dawkins and Rat's discographies, in, in some ways, you know, Dawkins got better and better as they went along. In some ways, Rat kind of got worse and worse, <laughs> I think, you know, get into the 90s. And, yeah. You know, I love them. I love them, of course. But I just noticed those classic songs start to wither away with each album. And so I, I like most of their stuff. But yeah, I, I just noticed that when going through their albums start to finish, you can see the evolution of the band. So one last thing I'd like to quiz you because, like I said, you're pretty knowledgeable on all this stuff. How did you get into this stuff? Is, do you have a parent that is big into hard rock and heavy metal or older siblings, cousins? How did you discover this music? Yeah, it was, it was two main things. It was a concerted effort from my parents, I think, what they played in the car, but also in this kind of hasn't really been talked about in the, the metal community, but, you know, a lot of the video games that came out in the 2000s when I was growing up, there was a lot of throwback to 80s bands and nostalgic for, you know, the classic rock and heavy metal at that time. So, you know, those two things just kind of, I gravitated towards that kind of music because I was basically led on that path with, uh, you know, the, the Grand Theft Auto soundtrack has a lot of 80s and 90s yep. rock and metal, so... I, I just naturally uh, grew to appreciate that stuff and listen to it a lot more. Did you take it to a level beyond where your parents ever were when it comes to knowledge of music? You know, I like to think so. I don't know <laughs> if they would read so much. <laughs> you know, it's, 
it's a little insulting to say, you know, you were there when they were in their prime and me who was born after the legacy, you know, but you know, the generation Z, we got a bit of an edge. We can, we can really listen to these albums with 2020 vision. So yeah, I, I'd say I might be a cut above in some way. One more time, tell everybody your website address. Sure, you can find me at loudsoundepicenter.com or on Twitter as L Epicenter. Awesome. Well, hey, man, I'm impressed by your musical knowledge. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep inspiring all people to, to you know, get into this music and enjoy it. You know, all the things that all of us do, whether it be websites or podcasts or sharing things on Facebook or Twitter, that keeps it alive and it's a good way for fans to connect with each other. So keep doing what you're doing and I really enjoy talking with you and thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, it was great talking to you too, man. Thank you so much. a blast talking through the Dokken versus Rat matchup. And make sure you click the link in the description to see the full video of our cover of Poison's Fallen Angel. It's been many years since I did anything like that, and I hope we can do a lot more down the road. Rock on!